going through a difficult time in our lives. My, my wife and I, we were just asking God for our future and what he had for us. And uh, we read a book called God Meant It For Good by Archie Kendall. And it changed our lives. I'm not just saying that because he's here. I really do mean it changed our lives. And No, but it's true. And two years ago, we were going through a particularly dark period in this church, in our leadership, and someone sent me a series of sermons called Total Forgiveness, which changed my life. I've been endeavoring to live in that. And uh, I say that because I really want to ask you just to continue to open your hearts to RT and what he has and what, he wants to impart, what God wants to impart to us this, this afternoon through his teachings. So let's open our hearts once again. Let, let me tell you how important this book, Total Forgiveness, is. You can take a copy of Total Forgiveness, signed or unsigned. If I sign it, it'll, it doesn't devalue the price. <laughs> unsigned. You can take any one of them to any underground station in central London and go up to the man in the window. This is true. Hand him a copy of Total Forgiveness in three pounds and you can ride the circle line all day long. (laughs) If you forget to take the book, you can still ride the circle line all day. Oh, Nick wanted me to tell that. I thought I'd stand for this one. Hmm? I don't need it. Okay. Thank you for letting me sit. I'm all the better, I think, for not having to stand all day, but I'll stand just to show you I'm not a crippled. Okay. Now, what time should I quit? I need to know. It's up to me, isn't it? Because I don't have to be at Heathrow for a couple hours. No, I'll tell you what. 30, 35 minutes, 45. Okay. See, I've got two, two, two ways of preaching this one. I've got two sermons on. I'm trying to decide which one to do. Preach the good one. <laughs> Okay. All right. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45. Now, just keep your Bible opened. And uh, uh, what I will do, although I think this is unnecessary, the more I think about it, but I'll just take a, a minute or two in case there's somebody here that you don't know the Bible that well and don't know the story of Joseph. Here, let me just take a couple of minutes before I read. This account in Genesis 45 is where Joseph is going to make himself known to his brothers. Well, you say, why would he need to make himself known to his brothers? They would know him. Well, it's been 22 years since 
He has seen them. He knows who they are because they've been coming to Egypt to buy food. He is now the prime minister of Egypt. They have to come to the prime minister of Egypt to buy food. They don't know it's their brother. Because 22 years before, out of jealousy and rage, they sold him to the Ishmaelites, which in fact was plan B, because they were going to kill him. They were, they, he, was, he, he was dead in their eyes. But because Ishmaelites just turned up, they sold him. What made them jealous? Well, you can't blame them in a way. Uh, Jacob, who was their father, father of 12 sons, uh, did a very foolish thing. He showed favoritism. The worst thing a parent can do is to show favoritism. And they did Joseph no favor, did the other brothers no favor. And on top of that, uh, Jacob made Joseph his coat of many colors, richly ornamented robe. And the only thing worse than giving it was wearing it. Didn't seem to bother Joseph. He wore that thing, strutted around, 17-year-old, arrogant teenager. And uh, if that weren't enough, he was endowed with a special gift, a gift of having prophetic dreams. Now, you may think, this is unfair. Why would God visit an arrogant teenager with a gift like that, spread it out a little bit, give it to those poor brothers that weren't very loved? But, you know, God does that. And the people you think he shouldn't bless, he does. The people he chooses to bring revival are not the ones you and I would choose. And we think, yuck, how could that guy be led of the Spirit? Uh, But God just surprises us who he blesses. Well, the brothers took that coat of many colors off Joseph's back and dipped it in blood and laid it before old Jacob who took the bait and said, A wild beast has devoured my son. I will go to my grave in mourning. And the brothers tiptoed away and breathed a sigh of relief. And they thought they got away with it. The Bible says, Be sure your sin will find you out. But they never expected to see Joseph again. Joseph always knew he would see them again. How did he know? Well, among those dreams were dreams that indicated they were going to bow down to him. And uh, (laughs) Joseph's big mistake was telling the dreams. You know, just because God shows you something doesn't mean you're supposed to blab it to the world. And I often think that God would give us more if we could keep quiet about it. Uh, I often say, who would be willing to have tea with the queen and never tell it? Uh, And who would be willing to have extraordinary things happen to you spiritually and keep quiet about it but you know we don't we just have to tell and joseph said listen to this the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me you didn't need to be sigmund freud to interpret that dream it made the brothers could take it no more okay they didn't kill him ishmaelites there they sold him never expecting to see him again well the time has come that the dreams are actually fulfilled before his eyes, their eyes. He knows this is it because they come begging because there's a famine in Canaan 
and Joseph had prophesied that too to, to the Pharaoh. I won't go into all the details. That's in my book, God Meant It for Good. And uh, Hodder and Stoughton didn't publish that one. And since Hodder and Stoughton here as spies, we won't talk about books they didn't publish. <laughs> but we will talk about the one they did. And now the day has come. Joseph is going to reveal his identity. One more point before I read. He always thought the reason he got the dreams is so that one day he could look at those 11 brothers and say, gotcha. He was going to throw the book at them. He wanted to see the look in their eyes when he could say, here, how's this? The dream's fulfilled. He wanted to rub their noses in it. But by the time the dreams were fulfilled, it's a different Joseph. Maybe you have had a dream. Maybe God gave you a special word. Maybe you were told that one day he's going to use you. And you've cried out, how long, how long, how long, how long? And I've come on this last talk on this Friday to tell you how long. As long as it takes to bring you to where God got Joseph to. Instead of wanting to throw the book at them, he's a new man. And instead of rubbing their noses in it, he breaks down and weeps. And so we read. Verse 1, Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. May God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this, his most holy and infallible word. Let's bow for a brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we invite the Holy Spirit to be here in great measure for clear thinking. I pray for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit upon every mind that his, her perception will be exactly what you intend. And on my tongue that will utter no unguarded comment, anything that's not exactly right, if this be possible, I say what you once said, 
And may we never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What I bring to you now in our last time together was born in what was at the time the darkest hour I had ever, ever gone through. It was while I was in London, while I was minister of Westminster Chapel. Can't tell you what it was, never will. All I can say is it was the darkest hour and the future was so bleak and I was bitter. How could they do this? An old friend from Romania happened to be in London, and I knew he wouldn't tell anybody. So I just told him, Joseph Zone, if I'm honest, my reason for telling him was that he would put his arm around me and say, RT, you ought to be angry. Get it out of your system. Go ahead. Just get it out of your system. That's what I, that's what I was hoping he would say. He just looked at me and said, anything more? No, that's, that's it. I wasn't prepared for what was to follow. If I could narrow 25 years in London down to 15 minutes, it's when Joseph Zone looked at me and said, R.T., you must totally forgive them. For until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains Release them, and you will be released. Nobody had ever talked to me like that in my life. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I said, Joseph, I just remembered. There's, there's more. I didn't tell you everything after all. Just listen to this. R.T. I can hear him now in his Romanian accent. You must totally forgive them. For until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains. Release them and you will be released. I said, Joseph, I can't. He said, you can and you must. Whew. The hardest thing I've ever had to do. Almost certainly, it's the hardest thing you will ever have to do. To let them off the hook. Kiss vindication goodbye. And leave it to God. And on top of that, you bless them. And ask God to bless them. Well... A lot of people, when they hear this, they just say, sorry, I'm out of here. Not for me. Why should you listen to me right now? And why should you do this? I've only got one hope that you would be the slightest bit interested in this. Because this is so much against nature. This is right against everything that we are. If you say you've never seen a miracle, never seen the blind healed, the deaf's ears unstopped, never seen the dead raised, I'm going to tell you right now, underneath your nose is a miracle waiting to happen that will be the equivalent of anything Jesus ever did. Because when you bless your enemy, you've crossed over into the supernatural.
Why should you do it? One reason. Not merely because Jesus said to do it, but because the promise of blessing, if you do it, is incalculable. It is incalculable. And if just maybe there's someone here that you've had to forgive in a way that no one else around you has had to forgive, because what they did to you was more horrible than than has happened to anybody around you. If I told you my story and then I heard yours, I would probably blush that I thought I had any kind of suffering. Because if I heard your story, I would say, wow. And suppose we heard everybody's story in this room and we decide to vote on the top 10. And then we narrow it down to the top three who've suffered the most and had the greatest injustice. Perhaps you were abused as a child. Perhaps you were raped. Perhaps your spouse was unfaithful to you. Perhaps a church leader has abused you. Perhaps you've been lied about and everybody believes the lie. And then we decide to vote on the one person in this room. And that person is here. I don't know who it is. But there's somebody here. If we heard your story, we would all agree. You've suffered more than anybody here. And then I bring you up and hand you the microphone and say, well, what have you got to say to that? Would you say, well, see there? Told you I've suffered. Now, what do you think? And you have, up to this day, seen it as a rationale for self-pity and bitterness. When you didn't know that if you are the one voted on as the one who suffered the most, the angel said, congratulations. Why? Well, because you have a promise of blessing that the one next to you doesn't have because they haven't gone through what you did. If you choose to be bitter and angry and justify yourself and continue to get vengeance and point the finger and tell the world what they did, then you will never know the blessing that would have been yours. I'm going to tell you right now what happened to us. If you had told me then that what we went through was the best thing that ever happened to us, I would not have believed you for a second. I can tell you right now, it was the best thing that ever happened to us. I am so thankful for that. I cannot tell you how thankful I am for that. I remember receiving a letter from the north of England where the lady described what their son-in-law had done to their daughter and grandchildren. And then at the end of the letter, she said to me, do I have to forgive him? And it wasn't easy to write back to say, yep, you have to forgive him. Why should you listen to me? Why should you do this? Because the greater the suffering, the greater the anointing and the greater the blessing. And this is a no joke thing.
And this is the elementary teaching of Jesus. And I know we went through Galatians today, but it's amazing how we go right through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus clearly says, bless your enemies, love them, be merciful. Doesn't seem to bother us. We want to get to Galatians for our doctrine. Well, sanctification is the life of gratitude. And you want to know the pinnacle of being grateful? And that is to show how grateful you are to God by blessing your enemies. And the question is, how do you know you've blessed them? Or how do you know you've totally forgiven? If I ask for a show of hands, how many of you have forgiven your enemies? You'd all raise your hands. And you, you would mean that. You, you wouldn't be insincere. But would you allow me to enter into a proposition with you right now? Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. If I were to uncover the fact in the next 25 minutes, maybe 20, 20 minutes, keep it short. If I uncover in the next 20 minutes that maybe you haven't forgiven them after all, would you? Would you do it then? Well, how do you know you have totally forgiven? Proof number one, you do not tell anybody what it is they did to you. Now look at it. Verse one, Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants and he cried out, everybody out of here. Everybody leave the room. Well, they don't know what's going on. Imagine the prime minister, Egyptian garb, speaking through an interpreter. He knows who they are. They don't know who he is. Members of the cabinet, all of his advisors, he says, everybody out. Well, they don't know why, but they're all having to leave. I guess the interpreter hangs around, says, well, you'll need me. He says to the interpreter, out. And then behind closed doors, Joseph begins to cry and sob. He says, I'm Joseph. I'm Joseph. They're scared to death. Why did he make everybody leave? It's because he's going to make sure nobody in Egypt ever finds out what they did to him. Behind closed doors, he tells who he is. He's going to persuade them to come and live in Egypt. He wants to make sure nobody in Egypt gets wind of this. He knows that he is a hero in Egypt. He wants his brothers to be heroes. He knows if the word leaks out, every Egyptian to a man would hate those men. Which, fun funnily enough, is what he used to want. He wanted everybody to hate him. Now he wants everybody to love them. You see, that's the change in Joseph. That's the change in Joseph. I had a conference two weeks ago with arguably the most famous Christian in America. Don't try to figure out who it was. I went with him, with him, I went to him with a mandate. We've been friends for 20 years. I said, I want you to love and pray for Barack Obama. He's our president. Love him. I said, I loved Arafat. Arafat didn't have the slightest thought that I'd become a Muslim. 
but he knew I loved him. I said, you don't have to approve of everything Barack Obama stands for, but love him. Love him. And I would say to you, whoever that person is that hurt you, this is where you cross over into the supernatural. You love them. You love them. And bless them. And ask God to bless them. Why is it when somebody hurts us, the first thing we do, we get on the telephone and tell what they did. Why do we tell what they did? We don't want anybody to like them anymore. We don't want anybody to love them. We don't want anybody to admire them. We want to reduce their credibility to nothing. Two exceptions. I had a lady come into the vestry. She said, they have found my rapist. And they want me to testify in a court of law. I said, well, you must. Oh, she said, I have forgiven him. You've taught me to forgive. So I've forgiven him. I said, well, it's wonderful that you've forgiven him, but he's a danger to society. You need to testify. And besides, it's not personal with you. You've forgiven him. So she did. The other exception, you need to tell one other person for therapeutic reasons what they did. One. Somebody who won't tell. One. Not two, not three, not ten, not a hundred. One. But the main reason we tell it is to hurt them. How would you like it if God told all he knew about you? Are you grateful that he's not going to tell? Show the gratitude for passing it on. Don't tell what they did. Don't tell anybody. Ever. Just tell the Lord. You ever hear the old spiritual? Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. Could you take up a second love offering for me? Isn't that good? Man. You see, God likes it when he's the only one that knows. You share it with him. Don't tell anybody else. Proof number two that you've totally forgiven You won't let them be afraid of you. Here's Joseph. They're scared to death. They're terrified. What's Joseph say? Come close to me. Come close to me. He just wanted to love on them. They were scared. He just loved them. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. And you see, this is, this is what husbands and wives will do. They keep the other afraid. Any marriage on the rocks in this room can be healed by sundown. If both of you will stop pointing the finger and keep the other one afraid. Proof number one, you don't tell what they did. Proof number two, you don't let them be afraid of you. Proof number three... You don't even let him feel guilty. Look at it. He goes on to say, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. 
You see, this is the one that gets us. We say, I forgive you for what you've done, but I hope you feel bad about it. (laughs) Why do you want them to feel bad? Oh, you say, well, you don't have to forgive them until they're sorry. Really? Where did you get that? Oh, I do know where you got it. Come to think of it, I know exactly where you got it. You that want to be under the law, did you not hear the law? If you, if you, you can't pick and choose when it comes to the law, it's tit for tat. It's eye for an eye. If you want to live under the law, go on. It's your privilege. Don't be a fool. You see, under the law, you want them to feel guilty. Under the law, you point the finger. Under the law, it's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But we're under a new covenant. And I believe I recall Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they've done. They don't even know. You see, what gets our goat is we're afraid they don't know how hurt we are. And so we go up to them and say, I forgive you for what you've done. And by the way, if this little talk this afternoon convicts you a little bit, don't walk across the room at the end and go up to somebody and say, well, in the light of R.T.'s talk, I forgive you. They're going to look at you and say, for what? You will say, well, you know what? Well, I don't. Oh, you do. I don't. Well, you should. And now you've got a fight on your hands. This is what you wanted. Nine out of ten times, the people you have to forgive, they don't even think they've done anything. You see, that what, what, what really gets you. So you go up to them and say, I forgive you for what you've done. Because you want to make sure they know you're hurt. And you're starting a fight. You haven't forgiven them when you do that. What does Joseph say? Don't even be angry with yourselves. Don't even be angry with yourselves. You might like to know that the people that I had to forgive, I never said a word to them, ever. It happened right here. And you know what? We became friends. We never talked about it. I think they knew. But what if they didn't? It doesn't matter. You see, when I hold a grudge, I'm the one forfeiting the anointing of the Spirit. I'm the one that's forfeiting the blessing. I'm the one that's about to blow away my inheritance. Forgive them. And most people you ever have to forgive, you can put them under a lie detector. They don't think they've done anything wrong. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they've done. Proof number one, you don't tell what they did. Proof number two, you don't let them be afraid of you. Proof number three, you don't let them feel guilty. And don't be surprised if the people you have to forgive are the godly. Oh, you've heard the poem, Living with the Saints Above? Oh, that will be glory. Living with the Saints Below? Well, that's another story. Proof number four, you let them save face. You let them save face. What's that mean? It's an oriental expression. You cover for them. You act like you didn't even notice. You give them a a way out that they, instead of rubbing their noses in it, you just let them feel good. You know what Joseph says? He said, don't be angry with yourselves. He said, look here, God just sent me ahead of you. 
It wasn't you who did it. God did it. That's what he says. It wasn't you who sent me here, but God. Can you imagine <laughs> Nathan, uh, or rather uh, Gad, or, or, or uh, Asher, or Naphtali, uh, looking at each other, did we hear right? We didn't do it. God did it. They couldn't believe, they, you know, this is too much to take in. It's too good to be true. And by the way, that's the gospel. It's always too good to be true. Until it's too good to be true, you haven't heard it yet. When it's too good to be true, you got it. And take it and run with it. And don't abuse it. Joseph said, you've got it right. He said, look here, fellows. Somebody had to get here first because it was predestined. 400 years ago, God said to Abraham, your seed will be coming up out of Egypt. Somebody had to get here first. And God said, Joseph, you go first. He said, that's all it is. That's all it is. It's Joseph's way of saying, if it had been one of you, I'd have done the same thing. You see, total forgiveness is the best way to get over self-righteousness. Proof number five, you protect them from their darkest secret. They're saying to themselves, it's well and good that Joseph has forgiven us, but I know what he's doing. He's going to make us go back and tell our father the truth. I'm going to tell you now. They'd rather die than have to tell old Jacob the truth about the robe and who really did it. They'd rather die. Joseph knows that. I didn't read the whole section because of time. Read it when you get home. He writes the script for them. He tells them word for word what to say when they get back to Canaan. He won't let them tell. He won't let them tell. Bring this message to a close. Proof number six. It's something you keep doing as long as you live. As long as you live. I call it a life sentence. It's like if a physician prescribes a pill and he says you'll have to take this as long as you live. It's a life sentence. Total forgiveness is a life sentence. You have to do it today. You have to do it again tomorrow. Well, the wife says to the husband, I thought you forgave me. He says, well, that was yesterday. <laughs> Not good enough. Or if you forgive them, you say, well, I've done it. Got to keep doing it. Got to do it again tomorrow. Day after tomorrow, the people I had to forgive years ago, ever so often, they'll come back to me and have to forgive them again right here. 17 years later, Jacob died. The brothers panic. They make up a story. They say to Joseph, before dad died, he told us to tell you, please forgive us. And Joseph starts to cry. He says, what on earth is the matter with you, man? I told you 17 years ago, I forgave you. I forgave you then. I forgive you now. Don't worry. You see, the genius of Joseph, by the way, was not his ability to learn foreign languages or his culture adaptation. You know why God made him prime minister? He really had forgiven them. It was real. He had forgiven them. And they couldn't believe it. They thought it was just, you know, an act that one day is going to go for them. He really had forgiven them. I close. Total forgiveness is when you bless them. And that's what Joseph did. He blessed them. 
Jesus said, bless your enemy. Pray for them. Ask God to bless them. Ask God to bless them. I walked into the pulpit one Sunday morning, and right in, as we were singing, praise my soul, the king of heaven. And down in the audience was a person who has done irreparable, emotional damage to one of our children. I find it easier to forgive those who've hurt me than those who've hurt our kids. And I lost it. I had to mouth the words, then had to read the scripture, and then had to sing another hymn. And the whole time, how could that person be here? Oh, I was so upset. And then the prayer, whole time I was praying, I don't know how I got through it. I kept thinking of that one out there. What saved me was offering time. We had five minutes for the men, stewards, take up the offering. And during that offering, I had a conversation with the Lord. I don't say it's verbatim, but it's pretty close. And this doesn't happen to me every day. But it was something like this. R.T., I believe you want to see revival here at Westminster Chapel. I said, yes, Lord. Good. How much do you want revival? Oh, a lot. Really? Which would you rather have, revival or for me to send judgment on that person out there? Revival. Good. You mean that? Yep. Then pray for them. I, I pray for them. He said, that's not good enough. Ask me to bless them. Bless them. Say it again. Bless them. Say it again. Bless them. And what if I really do bless them? I said, Lord, you wouldn't do that, would you? <laughs> and that's the point. I couldn't preach that day until I just began to say, bless them. <laughs> Killed me to say it. Bless them. And to prove I meant it, I had to put them on my prayer list. <laughs> I don't believe this. This happened to me in Scotland. And it's the same person. I am in the middle of preaching. I'll call you back. You've done it again. You called me in Scotland. They all thought it was a setup. <laughs> uh, this is Lyndon Bowring. Call you later. <laughs> I thought I turned it off. Isn't that funny? To prove I really meant it, I had to put them on my prayer list and pray every day that God will bless them. Well, I'm finished. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, take this word and apply this word by your Holy Spirit. Where are you going? What? No singing. Don't want it. Afterwards, yes, but he might need to come forward himself. So don't put him up there where he gets off the hook. <laughs> Lord, take this word and apply it by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Now look at me. We made a deal. I don't know if you've agreed with me. 
But I said 20, 25 minutes ago, if I should uncover the fact that you haven't forgiven them after all, will you do it now? Now, if you needed this, you know it. If you didn't need it, fine. But for you who needed it, and it may just be one, in one minute from now, I'm going to ask you to stand. Stand up in one minute. Not yet. One minute from now. You say in front of all these people? Yes. Well, they'll know I've had a problem. Yes. But that's the test. Whether you're willing for God to get the glory. And you don't care what they think. Because you want the anointing. 30 seconds from now, I'm going to ask you to stand. Don't stand. Unless by standing you're prepared to say, I won't tell anybody what they did. Our it's too late. I've already done it. Don't do it anymore. Don't stand unless by standing you're prepared to say, I won't let them be afraid of me. Won't let them feel guilty. Will let them save face. Protect them from their darkest secret. I accept it's a life sentence. And I will bless them. If you're the one that needed it, you're prepared to go all the way and do this. Five, four, three, two, one. If you're the person, stand to your feet right now. I'll wait 10 seconds. Anybody else? Don't miss this moment. It may not come around again. Okay. You that are standing, leave where you're standing, go to the nearest aisle and come down to the front. Come down to the front. I want to pray with you. Come all the way. Make room for rows behind you. A little closer. Come on. I'm not going to bite you. Now look. What you've just done is the easy part. The hard part will be an hour from now. You think, what came over me? It'll be worse tomorrow morning. You say, I can't believe I did that. Now look, we haven't prayed yet. You can still get out of it. Because what we're going to do is enter into a covenant. You can think very carefully. We're going to pray. I'm going to give you words to say. Say them if you mean them. If you don't mean them, don't say them. You can fool me, but you can't fool God. This is not between you and me. I'm not going to see who's praying. This is between you and God. The angels are watching Every covenant in the Bible was ratified by blood. Did you know that? This one, too, is ratified by blood, shed 2,000 years ago. This is a very, very serious moment. Could be, could be your finest hour since your conversion. If you mean what you say, you might want to put your hands just like this to receive. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus Christ, I need you. 
I want you. I'm sorry for my sins. Wash my sins away by your blood. I forgive them. I'm sorry for my bitterness. You forgive them. I bless them. You bless them. I set them free. I set them free. I set them free. Come, Holy Spirit. Come down and remain. Thank you for your patience with me. As best as I know how, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.